All right, we are back with part two. Part two. This part, this part two is going to be called American Psycho because yeah. you were an American psycho living in Israel and everyone probably referred to you as, as that. Yeah. Okay, so, um, so now we're on the topic of psychosis and um let's begin by listening to- <laughs> listen let's by, let's begin by listening to me uh in full-blown psychosis okay just a little snippet you're not gonna finish the story it's the story's not gonna end in five minutes yeah, but- so go to bed Shlomo. i'll tell you another time you come i'll tell you the whole thing no, my, my yeah, keys and know. my laptop is in the apartment. So if you go, I want to be able to get You don't have to talk about this oh, now. I'm curious to hear it's very before. interesting. Very interesting. I'm just the messenger. Just <laughs> here with you, baby. So keep going. We are. <laughs> trying I need to say okay. okay I think this leads so then you this is when you started to manifest that you wanted to come here this is Shabbat. when alright alright he can go from here to the cinema yeah. 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 <laughs> right is there any way you can lower the volume on it because it's very loud intermission like taking this deep in <laughs> this is why i'm here this is why i'm here with you in this roof to tell you this to tell you this story, you this story. I, actually anybody else here you just showed up here out of the blue. Yeah, street. I saw them in the street. Kaha. I didn't invite you. I didn't invite you. I I all right can we all right all right so you you can you can tell just based on the sound of your voice alone that you've been you've been screaming and talking for days hours yeah not hours days and days and days days like you had no voice no voice left um anyways i have four hours of that footage it's it's gonna be very valuable one it'd be good for the for the memoirs for the memoirs Mm -hmm. so we were on the so we were on the topic of let's let's circle back a little bit um to mania and how 
how does one how do we identify mania and what what do we do about it when we discover that we're manic because recently I had a a small manic episode Mm -hmm. um and I think the first key is being very aware I was aware Mm -hmm. of it and and I immediately got in touch with my doctor and said listen I I'm manic I have this restlessness and whatever so obviously you want to go to your doctor but if somebody doesn't know that they're manic enjoy it I guess no no I mean no it's it's true like knowing now what mania is and how it feels like one can identify it like you can identify it in me and I can identify it in you like I saw it immediately in you and you saw it immediately in me um so it's like yeah I did the same thing like I called my psychiatrist and I was like hey I'm having really high highs and really low lows and I I just um I'm on a mood stabilizer now called um Latuda um well here's my list of meds <laughs> so I take Wellbutrin for my anti like as an antidepressant and kind of as like a it's almost like a stimulant um they call it the poor man's cocaine which it, it doesn't it doesn't feel anything like cocaine it makes me just be able to get up and out of bed in the morning and be a person um but apparently it has that effect on some people where they feel like speedy um and then I'm on the Tuda which is a mood stabilizer it's an antipsychotic um and I just upped that because of my like you said, like my really low lows that I've been having and my really high highs. Um, And then I take Clonopin as needed, which is basically every day. Um, I take it to go to sleep. I think you do too. Mm -hmm. And um, I took it um, a few days ago when I was at work and I was feeling very, very anxious for no apparent reason. And I also take it when I feel manic, which was today, um, this morning when I woke up at 5am and immediately just began this, like, uh, it was, it was just kind of manic. And so I, um, I took after a while, like I, I was really exhausted after like seven hours and then I took a clonopin and I rested for a little bit and I like laid in my bed for 45 minutes and then I woke up and did this podcast with you so Mm -hmm. so basically how to how to calm a manic episode we have a couple of things um number one is maintain a regular sleep schedule Number two is avoid alcohol and drugs. Uh, three, manage stress with relaxation techniques. Um, adhere yeah. to your medication. Exercise daily. Avoid setting unrealistic goals and continue with therapy. Um, and obviously, they're saying that the most, um, you know, the, 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 
the way to treat this best is with medication. You typically need a mood stabilizing medication, um, which we both take a mood stabilizer. Mine is called, um, I only know the Hebrew like name for it, but it's called Lam Lamotrigine. Is it Lamictal? Yeah, Lamictal. Bit on that shit too. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then and then I take an antidepressant uh called Lustral and also also Klonopin. Klonex. We're, we're, we're basically we're basically like on the same kinds of medication. Um sister, sister. I mean, yes, yeah, sister, sister, sister. We sister. I mean we pretty much have the same DNA, so um, yeah, it makes sense that we would be treated with the same medications. But, um, you know, I was very anti-meds for a long time um, mm-hmm. until I... Kind of me too. Yeah. I mean, first of all, you can't really use you can't really use drugs and alcohol while taking medication they kind of cancel each other out um yeah exactly I was on I was on I remember being on like a bunch of different antidepressants and then drinking and using coke on top of them and being like why isn't it working (laughs) um this shit doesn't work and Mm -hmm. I just stopped taking yeah dumb yeah um I mean, you just, you can't like alcohol, like drugs, like especially alcohol is a depressant. So if you're taking something to not be depressed and then you just enter, you put a depressant into your body, obviously it's going to cancel out and can be very dangerous. Um, Highly advised PSA, do not mix uh, psychiatric medication with alcohol or drugs. It's just not a great (laughs) idea um it's a bl it's a bl it's a bl it's a bl bad luck bad luck um but okay where are we where are we going where are we going with this did we did we want to talk a little bit about i mean we started off with a clip of me and full-blown psychosis so we might as well just get it out of the way um okay let's talk about psychosis so i am a psychosis survivor thank you very much um <laughs> psychosis is you a- along with like a million other people yeah but guess what when I had a psychosis nobody knew what the fuck that was um you mean in our in our family uh yeah in our family and anybody that was around me our family my yeah friends. like nobody nobody could knew they were like oh no she's having a psychotic episode they just didn't know what was going on yeah, no, but just everybody was just completely clueless. They were like, something is wrong with her, but we don't know what it is. Nobody would be like, oh, she's having a psychotic episode. Like nobody said that. They yeah. were just like, something is seriously wrong with her. What is it? So psychosis is a condition that affects the way your brain processes information. It causes you to lose touch with reality. You might see, hear, or believe things that aren't real. Psychosis is a symptom, not an illness. 
Okay. Right. It, it is yes. a symptom yes. of an illness. Um, and this is usually happens for the first time in your early adulthood, which is exactly when it happened to me. It happened to me when I was 24. Um, and young people are especially likely to get it. Doctors don't know why. Um, but that is the normal age. Early twenties is the normal age. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and these episodes usually stem from something else such as drug use, whatever the reason they tend to disappear in a short time. And they often stay away if you treat the condition that caused them. So I, um, thank God have not had a relapse episode of psychosis. That is because I have stayed away from drugs, specifically marijuana, um, which is what onset this whole thing to begin with. But basically, um, psychosis is a symptom of an underlying illness that you at the time don't it's for me it wasn't obvious because I wasn't diagnosed with any sort of mental illness at the time I just had a psychotic episode which is why I was misdiagnosed as being bipolar um, when in the end I actually am not bipolar I have a lot of other shit going on but I'm not I'm not bipolar do you feel do you feel comfortable um revealing your diagnoses sure I mean, we're candid. I mean, it's like we're candid on here. So why not? Um, I uh, have recurrent depressive disorder. Um, I have personality disorder unspecified. So it's not exactly BPD. It's not technically borderline personality disorder. It has not been specifically diagnosed as borderline personality disorder, but I have some sort of personality fuck up. I don't know. Um, and then I suffer from post-trauma as well. Okay. So those are three. I thought there were four. There's one more. Um, <laughs> <laughs> were you Were you just going to let that slide? Or... <laughs> the other one is... is um, mental and behavioral disorder due to multiple (laughs) (laughs) mental and behavioral disorder due to multiple drug use okay okay (laughs) I thought so I thought there were I thought we were just gonna let that one slide but yeah that was just gonna fly under the radar no 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 sweetie honey no 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 mental but like what is that even is that like a real I don't know I don't know. It just sounds long and funny. Yeah. Um, Mental and behavioral disorder due to multiple drug use. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But the post post trauma one that 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 PTSD PTSD um, that shit is real. I deal with that on a pretty regular basis, to be honest. I mean, I have it very much under control, um, but I do have a lot of flashbacks um, Mm -hmm. from different traumatic events that have happened in my life. Um, You know. You don't have to talk about those. Yeah. We don't need to go into the details of those. Um, 
Okay, so there are your diagnoses. Um, I diagnoses. have one. I I had one. I have one cyclothemia, um, and then I have a lot of impulse control disorders, which aren't mental illnesses, but they're impulse control disorders. Um, Such as. So, um, I have trichotillomania. I also um, have that undiagnosed. And then what was the other one that I had? Impulsive shopping. Oh, well, yeah, there's it, that. But Dana, no, there was Dana a- has a shopping addiction. Yeah, no, that's definitely an uh, impulse control. And that's also linked to my mania as well. Um, that triggers my mania and I usually am manic when I'm shopping um but there was one other one another impulse control disorder that I cannot think of so I don't know maybe it'll come to me anyway so it's more about psychosis so um so yeah so so when you were in so so when you were in psychosis, um, what 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 kinds of things were you doing? Like I know you were like talking nonstop. Um, were you doing yeah. anything else? Were you not? Um, you were not eating. I I was not really eating, and I was not really sleeping. And basically, um, I was being very very loud. And I guess my neighbors called the cops on me. Um, and the, were you violent? Were you being violent? The time that they took me, I was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the first time they came, they came twice. The first time they came, it was like to check like what's going on with you. And I was kind of like able to like speak to them in Hebrew and like say like, no, like, I'm brush fine. it off. Yeah, I was like brushing it off, like like leave me alone, I'm fine. And then the second time, um, the second time it became a little bit violent with me, like wrestling the guys, um, I waved my vibrator in the guy's face. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I know about you banging, banging on the walls of your apartment. Like, I I know about that. Oh, you don't recall, but there was apparently a lot of banging on walls from my, I mean, I didn't make that up. I just know, I just know that the, the day that they took me, they came, three big guys came into my apartment and were kind of wrestling with me. I took my vibrator and like waved it in the guy's face, like thought I was funny. Still, honestly, the best decision I've ever made. I think it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> I think it's so funny. It um, actually is I, I was like, <laughs> was the vibrator on? Yes, <laughs> that's hilarious. And he, and he was laughing. He's laughing. I'm thinking it's all fun and games. Like he's laughing, but it it wasn't. But much. he's he's trying and to then, take you to the mental institution. Yeah, and then they basically sedated me. They put a needle in my arm um and kind of blacked out after that and ended up in a dark um hospital in the middle of the night and that begins my my institutionalization 
it's much easier to say in Hebrew. It's called the shpuz. Um, and that was that was pretty dark. That that, was dark that, that that honestly attributes that experience attributes a lot of to a lot of my post trauma. Um, first of all, I was completely alone in there. I think the family didn't even know where I was for a couple of days because nobody contacted them. Uh, it was like it was, was like a, it was like a day that we didn't know where you were. We knew you had been taken to a hospital, but we didn't know which hospital, so we couldn't we we didn't know which hospital. But then, I if I remember correctly, mom was like calling every hospital, and then finally found you. Yeah. Um, I'd rather um, I'd rather you know um, rather not like go into it just because it was so traumatic it was such a terrible experience Dana that I it's 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 really kind of hard to talk about um what went on there what went on in there was just really dark and really scary and um yeah it just wasn't it just wasn't cool um so we can, we can, we can fast forward to when you get out of the hospital. So you were in the hospital for about three weeks, right? Yeah. Like three and a half weeks, three and a half weeks. Okay. And then you get out and mom is there in Israel mm-hmm. and you are still delusional at this mm-hmm. point, but you're able to be released from the hospital. Mm-hmm. I was able to be released because they had uh, somebody there to care for me. I was only able to be released because mom was there to care for me. Otherwise mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't have been released because I have nowhere to be released to. Um, and I would have just been by myself again. So yeah, they released me. Um, when mom came, I hadn't seen mom in a year since I made Aliyah. Um, and I get, I get, I get to see her for the first time. And the first thing I said to her was, you look so old. Oh my God. Like I hadn't seen her. I hadn't seen her in like a year and like she, but also like, I just realized like after. I think, I think also the stress of the situation, of course, having Um, to probably, she was, she was, that was, I, I can say, I can speak on her behalf. That was the most stressful and scariest thing that it's ever happened to her in her life. I think. So she, I'm sure looked like a train wreck, um, when you saw her for the first time. Yeah, and I'm sure, and I, yeah, I just, I, 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 it's really, it's really hard for me to talk about. I'm not going to lie. Like, I, we don't have to, we don't have like, to, can we like get to like the good part, like the, what? the healing. Sure. Sure. Okay. So so we can get to the healing. Yes. We'll talk about what you want to talk about. No. So I just, okay. You go through something really traumatic and at the time it seems like the worst thing in the world. Um, I was taken from Israel back to New York. I was still delusional. Um, when I got to New York, I was still delusional and the opposite of mania is depression. And that is when, when I got back to New York and realized that all my delusions, how is this meeting already ending in 10 minutes? I I guess we, we got to wrap it up. Yeah. But, um, basically the depression, 
basically when I was in New York, I don't know if you remember me saying, I said, all I want is to go back to Israel. Oh, I remember that's all you would say. Saying a million times, just let me go back to Israel. I just want to go back to Israel the entire time. And, um, and I did. And after about four months, after about four months at home, literally so depressed, like, because after something like this happens to you, you're just filled with confusion. You don't know what you don't know what just happened to you. You're trying to make sense of it all. Because the thing is about the delusions is that they feel so real. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. what you're what you're fantasizing and what you think is happening you really think it's happening and your, your nobody- brain is your your brain is like this is your brain fully believes that it is happening and nobody can tell you differently like this because it's happening. just it's just as if my brain is telling me that we're having this conversation right now and we're on a site like a, a zoom call like that's what my that's what my brain is telling me is a reality the delusions feel the same exact way yeah it's like it, it's like if I was trying to tell you that this that this Zoom call right now really isn't happening. Right. That would and, be and, your delusion, but you would have 100% conviction in that. Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. really isn't happening. You're actually here with me in person. We're not on a Zoom call. You're here next to me. The Zoom call is not real. Or, or the opposite, you could say you could be having the delusion that we're on this zoom call. And I would be like, No, you're really actually in the room with me. And there's no way to get the person to think otherwise. So, um, so yeah, once you come down off of this, and you start to get back, your brain starts to recalibrate, and you realize that this is not true. It's just total confusion, shame, guilt, sadness. It's like, you don't know what just happened to you because how could something that seems so real to me not have been real? It had Mm -hmm. to have been real. It was so real. So how is it not real? So you're just so confused. Some total mind fuck. It's like the definition of a mind fuck. Like, like, and um, it took me a while to to recover from this it took me um over a year to recover from it um and I can say that I'm just glad that I first of all I just want to say that this experience this traumatic experience I can now say with full my from the bottom of my heart, from everything I believe that this is the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. This experience gave me everything that I have now. I would not have anything that I have now, whether that's emotional stability, financial stability, a home, a job, Everything that I have is because of this episode. So I just want to put it out there that it is so important to to realize that sometimes what we think is cursing us, what we think is the worst thing that could ever happen to us in our lives is actually a blessing in disguise 
that this is, this was the true meaning of a blessing in disguise because without this happening, basically, I'm just going to say it pays to go crazy. <laughs> I it, mean, it, it pays to go crazy, at least in this country. And, and it's kind you mean, of, you mean by, by government funding, like government, yeah. like, like disability money. Yeah. I okay. mean, I mean, by, by not just that, but, but when you, when you go through something like this, the, the state gives you a lot of help. Right. And uh, also this is what, this is what, what, um, what started you on your sobriety journey too. Yes. So, so after this, you were, yeah. were you sober? After, I'm, no, not, not immediately after. Not immediately after I had a, I had a surrender moment where I was, I was back in Tel Aviv and I was so depressed. I could barely leave the apartment. I could barely shower. I could barely eat. I was a non-functioning person. I tried to go and work at a couple different places and I just couldn't do it. And mm -hmm. I was still smoking weed, very, a very mm -hmm. little amount of weed, but I was still smoking weed. And I remember the exact minute I was on a bench in Tel Aviv and I called mom and I said, in some words or another, I surrender. Like, I need help. I can't do this on my own. Well, and then wasn't it with the Caleb thing where you had your last? Yeah, so so Join. one of my best friends, um, rest, respect, in peace, res rest in peace to respect his privacy and his family. I won't get into the details of the matter, but of one of my best friends, my, my best friend of childhood passed away during this time of depression. And I went to the beach a couple days after he passed away. And it was seven o'clock in the morning, I hadn't slept the whole night. And I lit up a joint. And I said, this is the last joint I'm ever going to smoke in my life. And I said, this is for you, Caleb. And that was the last joint I ever smoked. And my sobriety is highly, um, he is my force. I could even call him one of my higher powers that makes me never want to touch drugs again. I, I do it for him um, because I mm -hmm. say, and I just spoke to his parents recently on his birthday. I don't know if I told you that, but no, I spoke to them and I said, it could have been any one of us. It could have been any one of us. And yeah, absolutely. Um, and could have been me. It could have been me a thousand times over. Same. Could have been you a thousand times could over. Have been, could have been any one of us, any one of our friends. And we just have to think about the risks, the risks involved. Um, there is so much more at risk than people think people do drugs and, and, you know, drink for fun and everything, but like, you just have to understand that, that it's risky business. Yeah, for sure. Risky. So business. what's your, what's your clean sober time as of today? As of today, I am clean and sober. 
from drugs and alcohol, eight months and 14 days. Dope as fuck. Let's quickly read. Go ahead. Mine is, well, I'm at 333, 333, um, 333 days. So that's 0.9 years and 10.89 months and 7,984 hours. Oh, wow. I'm about to hit hit 11 months on the 15th. We have a minute left of this Zoom, but I just want to quickly not read the whole just for today, but um, the just for today is a vision of hope. Yes, we are a vision of hope. Just for today, I will remember that I am a beacon to all who follow in my path, a vision of hope. Lovely. So with that being said, um, love you very much. Love love that we love that we can bond here and talk about this stuff and be so candid and open with each other and with whoever listens to this. And I just have one question. What's that? You good, sis? I am good, sis. Are you good, sis? I'm good, sis. Be good, 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 be good good night um it's i don't even know what time it is right now but i'm gonna love you my day love Love you too love you love you bye bye